stay in touch with people who have impacted you in your career. Because I never thought I would work with this person ever again. And here I am, you know, they really changed my life. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn, here at the Portfolio Career Podcast. We help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Nora Ali. Nora has been a leader in many different fields, finance at Goldman Sachs, startups at Jet.com, media at Cheddar. And in this episode, you'll learn about how to transition and pivot into different industries, specifically around how to reach out to people, how to make a pitch, and then also around how to stay in touch with people that have impacted you and have helped you along the way. Um, you also learn about how Nora, while she is currently building a new company, she's also still taking on other projects and building out her portfolio of Nora, as she calls it. Notably, she is co-host of the Business Casual podcast um, that is uh, produced by Morning Brew, and she's working on a course as well. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and front source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Nora. Nora, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. So, uh, violin. Yes. <laughs> We're starting what? there. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you love about playing the violin? I love so many things about it. Um, my favorite thing to do is just pick it up and learn music by ear that I've just heard. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, I love to read a new piece of sheet music and jam with other people. It's just soothing. It's an, it's easy for me now. It wasn't always the case, but it just makes me really happy knowing how much effort I put into it as a kid. And now I can just pick it up whenever I want and make music. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and you mentioned about how much it meant for you uh, growing up and how much you kind of played, played it and stuff. But I'm curious about, and we'll talk about some of those things. But I'm curious about like, what have you learned about kind of sharing your, your kind of mini recordings or uh, small performances, small songs and stuff on Instagram, you know, for somebody that's like, um, you know, scared to, to kind of share their art or, you know, create online. What, what have you learned from that process and from that experience? That's a, that's a great question, which I've never gotten before. I've learned to not think too hard about it. I've had hesitations in the past where I feel like what I put up on my socials has to be perfect. It has to be in tune. It has to be really impressive but no one actually cares. Just putting content out there, if it's your talent or something you're working on, it just makes people happy to see that. So I've started posting a little bit more when I don't feel like it's perfect. And there's no correlation between when I think it's perfect and the engagement that I get on that particular piece of music. So I, I try not to get in my own head about it because growing up playing the violin and piano, it was about perfection because as a, a classically trained musician who competed against other classically trained musicians, the idea was perfection. So I've had to train my brain otherwise just to put more stuff out there and not worry about any out of tune notes. So that's my advice is just, just do the thing, just put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when did you start kind of posting them online? And, and, you know, do you remember that first, first time when you're like, let's, let's, Let's try this and see how this goes. I think I 
mostly started doing it during the pandemic. I'm sure I, I had posted brief clips before, but you know, we were all, many of us were kind of bored at home and uh, there wasn't much for me to do after work. And I was working in the news at the time and broadcasting from home. So I decided to start this social distance symphony orchestra or something, I called it. Uh, so I started posting pop music, uh, covers of songs that people know and love. And I tried to do it with frequency. I put it on my to-do list every day. I didn't actually get to it every day. Um, but yeah, that, that just sort of shows the value of quantity when it comes to posting on socials. You hear this from TikTok creators all the time, where if you want to get more followers, get more engagement, just post more. It doesn't always have to be great. So I definitely got the most engagement then. And I, you know, try to do it every couple of weeks now when I can, I wish I did it more, but yeah, that was the time was during the pandemic when I needed an outlet. Cool. I, I love this, um, your message there around just kind of putting it out there because you, you know, kind of, you want to, and, and not necessarily really, you know, getting caught up on it being perfect and stuff mm -hmm. like, you know, and I, I, I kind of really feel that way with, with podcasting, like there's been you know, there's always things you can improve and my cover art, I feel like I I've, should definitely improve it or the music and stuff, but it's like, is it going to hold me back from publishing? Probably. So I, I don't want to like start that rabbit hole. So yeah, uh, I love that message there. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you learn uh, this kind of practice of kind of putting stuff out there um, from, from your family at all? Or, and, and as a follow-up, I'm curious as to uh, as, as we kind of talk about pivoting, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I, f I think is, is, was your mom has had one job her entire, her entire <laughs> life. Yes. Uh, wow. You did, you did deep research. That's correct. <laughs> She's been at 3M for almost 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I don't want to, I don't want to put, put words in here, but did you learn about pivoting from your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but I definitely got her support. Um, yeah, to your first question about putting things out there, I think I learned that from my little sister, actually, because she plays the piano and is in absolutely incredible. And she also composes. And she's always been very good about posting clips of her playing the piano. Um, and now she has a little baby, so it's even better because she'll have the baby like strapped onto her while she's playing Little Mermaid or something. It's very cute. But the idea of pivoting, uh, I feel like I just learned that myself because I'm generally a pretty antsy person I get uncomfortable with comfort so I like to be uncomfortable um, so even within jobs I've always asked for more responsibility more projects let me try this new thing and when I feel complacent almost in a particular job where I feel like I'm doing really well and I'm doing all that I can and there's no space to learn anything new necessarily, then I know it's time to jump. But hopefully now, not hopefully, I know now I'm in the space I want to be in because there's endless learning opportunity in the world of entertainment and media, for sure. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but it sounds like the different industries that you worked in from finance to uh, technology and startups to media, mm -hmm you know, all kind of is culminating a little bit to your new company and stuff is, mm -hmm. is that fair to say? Yeah. Everything has built on everything before it. My first few years working, I, as you mentioned, I worked in finance. I worked at Goldman Sachs and it was back in the day when 
first year analysts were not treated great. There's people are speaking up more now where you don't have to get the, I don't want to use the word abuse, but it kind of is in some cases, Mm -hmm. emotional abuse for, for interns and first year analysts where you have to get there before everyone else leave after everyone else and just work as hard as humanly possible. So back then I really felt a lot of stress being in that environment. In fact, I got shingles as a result of stress. I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast before, but there was a doctor at, I swear, I swear there's a point to this story, but there was an in-house doctor at Goldman. And when I had told him, and that should give you a sign of like, they know that they want to keep their employees inside the building at all costs. So I went to the doctor, I explained my symptoms. And he said, before I even take a look, I can tell you, you have shingles. And he had never seen shingles under someone the age of 50 until he started working as a Goldman doctor, because it can be brought on by stress. And I was in my early twenties and it was stress induced shingles, which generally only old people get. So all that to say in that job, I learned how to work so hard and network. And I learned interpersonal skills because that was the main thing, dealing with your team, your bosses, with management. I had institutional clients um, who are very seasoned investors. uh, And I had to sort of prove myself as a young person. And then I carried that forward to working at a tech startup because there's nothing you need, nothing you need to do more than work hard at a startup. And it was in a product that I really enjoyed and people I enjoyed working with. So I was able to thrive there. And then the biggest pivot for me was moving into media, being a, a TV anchor on Cheddar and through Goldman and working at jet.com, which is the tech startup. I learned finance and business concepts. And that is what I covered at Cheddar as an anchor. And that's largely why I got hired because I worked in those industries. And I had also had tons of experience presenting and pitching and talking in front of big crowds at both those previous jobs, which came across uh, as very useful as an anchor on television, even though I didn't have anchoring experience. And now all of it fits (laughs) as I'm building my own thing. It's just all the puzzle pieces, all the Tetris of my career has come to this. Tetris of your career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. I don't think I've heard that before. Um, and, and, and thanks for sharing about um, kind of the, the health side of things. Um, mm-hmm. Recently I was talking to a friend who, yeah, she, she kind of quit her job because of health reasons, which is like, I like just physically feel sick from working mm-hmm. so hard and stuff. So yeah, uh, can be tough out there. It can. Uh, and it, it's surprising how much your anxiety and stress can just manifest in a physical way. And I I go to therapy. I'm very happy to have been in therapy for many years. And my therapist and I talk about this all the time where I'll have these inexplicable long-term pain in my body. I had throat and neck pain for a long time last fall um, and just went to so many doctors. No one could explain what was going on. Everyone said that I'd get, get over it and I wasn't getting over it. And then I finally went to an ear, nose and throat specialist who did the whole thing. Like they stick a tube up your nose, down your throat. He said like, there's literally nothing wrong, but sometimes you can just have this pain from anxiety. And it took a doctor, an ENT doctor telling me that it could be from anxiety for me to realize, okay, maybe I should take a more thoughtful approach to my anxiety and reducing it. 
because even the, the neck and throat pain itself was contributing to my anxiety because it meant more time to go to doctor's appointments, not knowing what was going on. And then looking back, it was one of the more stressful points of my career. And then once I realized it, I tried to relax a little bit more, which is not easy for me. <laughs> um, and it eventually went away. But I, I have just been shocked at how much physical pain I can be in from anxiety. Yeah. It's crazy. Hmm. <laughs> Um, kind of maybe flipping it on the other side of things, it sounds like, um, there was a really interesting and kind of probably fueling or feel good moment when you were transitioning from jet to cheddar and through some conversations or some emails and stuff of, um, connecting or hearing about a woman named Barbara and (laughs) so talk to us a little bit about how kind of like the art of pivoting and and reaching out to people and then how sometimes like magic can happen. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of a believer of that. Sometimes people are kind of one email away from a new job, a new relationship, a new, you know, catalyst Uh, Mm -hmm. would be curious to hear the story about Barbara and, and, and somebody else maybe helping you along the way. Yeah. It always comes down to Barbara. When I was at Jet, I knew that I had sort of reached my potential and I, I got promoted a bunch there. I was managing people. It was great. I loved working there, but I knew that that was a time in my life where I had to try out the television thing because I had wanted to maybe for my whole career, even if I didn't know it. Um, and I grew up loving to perform and emceeing family events and fundraisers and stuff. So I thought maybe I can make this a career. I don't know. So I put myself out there. It's, it's, I tried to manifest it. Some people like to do that publicly. They like to tweet about it, tell their friends about it, tell their family about it. For me, it was a, a private manifestation where I didn't really tell anyone around me that I was attempting this because I didn't want to disappoint them. But behind the scenes, I created a big spreadsheet of all the people that I knew tangentially in the world of media and entertainment and, and news and Googled people and just started, you know, cold reaching out. And then a few people got back to me. One of them was a, a talent agent for, for a small shop. And he said, I'll, I'll meet with you for coffee, whatever. I think we had a few people in common. Um, so we met and he told me about this opening at Cheddar for a business anchor and he didn't have any business people on his roster. So he said, let me connect you with the casting director, casting agent for this role. Her name's Barbara. And I was like, oh my gosh, Barbara, I'm taking a hosting class with Barbara in two days, consequentially um, or coincidentally. And that was great because I took the class and I chatted with Barbara at the end. I said, so-and-so talent agent told me to chat with you and he's interested in putting me up for this cheddar role. So all those things feels like serendipitous and lucky, but the talent agent only got back to me because I emailed a bunch of talent agents. And then I only happened to be meeting Barbara because I was signing up for lots of hosting and anchoring classes at the time. So I didn't wait for it to happen to me. I put myself in those positions to be in the room and get my foot in the door, because as we all know, that's the hardest part is just getting your way in the room. So I did what I could to put myself in those rooms. And then Barbara hooked me up with an audition and interviews. I did not think, did not think I would get the job, but I did. And in fact, two weeks after I met with the talent agent, I texted him and I said, Hey, so they offered me the job at Cheddar. He was like, wait, what? Okay. Call me right now. Like he was shocked because to him, I was just some like 
rando that he had a 30 minute coffee with he just like sent me on this audition so it was it was all very lucky but I feel like I put myself in those positions to get lucky okay so so getting putting yourself in positions to be lucky and and also like I really like this part of like you were taking the classes you were like Mm -hmm. expressing interest to move into this new field uh learning and you know demonstrating to Barbara like hey I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Um, yeah. Is what else would you say to people that are looking to pivot? You know, maybe people that are trying to, you know, pivot into working with you. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what would you say to people that are maybe don't have quite the experience, but are interested in pivoting and and maybe mm-hmm. is yeah? How could they potentially prove to you that they're worthy? Yeah. So one example is that I had crafted different resumes, literally based on what I was trying to pivot to. So going from Goldman to Jet, I focused and at Jet at the time I was hired for my, my data analysis background, oddly enough, because I majored in statistics in college. So I, I pitched myself as that, as a data person who would be valuable at an early stage startup, because you're looking at your behavior of your consumers, figuring out how to acquire new consumers, looking at behavioral data in e-commerce overall. Um, And that wasn't something I really did at Goldman necessarily. But what I did do at Goldman was synthesize large amounts of information and clearly present it to my clients. So that itself is a form of of analysis. So I translated those skills um, or tried to portray those skills in my resume and cover letter for Jet. And I also strongly believe in just being super overprepared and maybe uh, going overboard when you get assignments and tasks during an interview process. I, I know that's not, not, not everyone will agree with that um, because sometimes employers or potential employers will ask you to do these like crazy projects. And it takes a lot of time out of your day where you already have a job and it might not be fair to ask you to do so much, but you know, Jet had given me uh, an assignment and I spent way more time than I should have doing it. was very thoughtful about it. I remember it was the night of the Super Bowl, whenever it was 2015. <laughs> and I was two hours late to meet my friends because I was in some co-working space, you know, working on this little project. But I knew that I stood out uh, because of it. And it was clear that I really cared about this role. And even now I'm going through the process of hiring for my new company. And I don't ask people to send me materials or do anything beyond just sending me their cover letter and resume, unless I'm very interested in that person. So people who in return are very thoughtful about the materials they put together and have clearly put in the time and clearly want to work for me, not just any rando in the business, that really stands out to me. So I think there are more... (laughs) strenuous ways, time-consuming ways to stand out. And then on the flip side, other ways to stand out that are lower lift is you're a great example of that, David, the, your pitch email to me to get on your podcast, you included a little video, which I had never seen before. And that video allows me to get a sense of your vibe. It shows that you at least took the time to make a personalized video for me. Probably didn't even take that long, but you're not blasting out you know, one template to all the people who you could possibly ever want in your, on your podcast. Um, Just, just do one thing to stand out because 
undoubtedly the hiring managers or those who you want to work for are going through dozens, if not hundreds of applications. So just, just take that extra little step. <laughs> Thank you, Nora. And thanks for the, thanks for the video shout out. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and one thing that I also, what I love that you're doing, is, you know, it's kind of the, the theory behind the show is, you know, kind of working on multiple things or creating content and, um, and, you know, you, even though you're building a company, obviously are, are co-hosting the business casual podcast. It sounds like you might be working on something, a course related uh, later on as well and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, I, I just kind of love how even though you're building a company and you're kind of like trans this time is like kind of transitioning and building kind of in public and stuff. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Can you maybe talk to us about that? And yeah. Yeah. Well, I call it the the portfolio of me. <laughs> I I just uh, I hate saying this, but I like to be overwhelmed. I like to always be really really busy. But the reason the business casual podcast came up was. I had left Cheddar to go build my media company, production company, and I really missed being on camera, on mic, and being out there and connecting with people and interviewing people. And I was feeling this, this crushing sense of sadness almost, where I felt like I, I, as a person or a brand, had fallen off the face of the earth. And after I left Cheddar, everyone was asking, what are you doing? Where'd you go? Why'd you leave? And I, and I couldn't say anything because a couple of my investors are, are high profile people. And that's why I've been in stealth mode about it, um, which is also very exciting. So here I, I know I'm leaving to do something meaningful <laughs> and I know it's going to be slow. It's going to be a slow burn, but then I'm, I'm getting all these people asking me, well, why, why would you leave this cool job as a news anchor? What are you doing with your life? So business casual came up and it was, it was perfect because I'm not an employee of Morning Brew. I'm on contract to just host the podcast and the team has been amazing. And I'm the owner of my own schedule. They work around me. I work around them. I can take my podcast equipment anywhere. And I like to work out of Minnesota where my family is. I work out of Maryland where my sister and nieces live. So that's been great. And the the most challenging thing is compartmentalizing because some days I'll have several podcast recordings, and then I won't get to anything for my company. And that's been quite stressful, but they all feed into each other. I meet so many cool people because of Morning Brew, and it's a very well-known brand and name. So I'll go to networking events and I tell them, you know, I host Business Casual for Morning Brew. Most people know Morning Brew. Whereas before I was, before I was hosting the podcast and just building the company, I would say things like, oh, I am an entrepreneur building a thing. And you do get a little bit dismissed (laughs) in those cases. So especially in the world of media and entertainment, having that brand and that known association is very helpful in networking settings, which are happening more and more now. I was just at one this week um, for Meta slash Facebook and everyone there knew Morning Brew and it feels really good to have that association. So it all fits together. It's back to the Tetris, (laughs) Tetris, <laughs> the yeah. Tetris and the portfolio of me. <laughs> uh, and also like the more you kind of put out, it seems like it also can attract things and mm-hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, your newer company came, people maybe approached you or there was kind of uh, interest that way. And maybe kind of want to talk about, talk about that of like, you kind of never know what happens when you yeah. put out a, a, a violin performance or, <laughs> you know, you start, you know, producing content and can maybe turn into a company. Yeah. So my current company I'm building, it was not part of the plan. 
Um, it's beyond what I could have dreamed would be an opportunity for me. I've, I have been interested in entrepreneurship and starting a company, but I didn't realize that could be a thing while also being a host and a moderator um, and being on these platforms myself. So someone who I worked with in the past had reached out and said, you know, I want you to start a company in the media space. Not, not a clear picture on, I, from any party of what it actually looked like, which is good and bad. Um, but he just had, had trusted that I could build something. And that is the most wonderful validation, mm. but also very stressful because you have to deliver and you have to be held accountable because someone's trusting you. But my biggest lesson there is don't ever burn any bridges and stay in touch with people who have impacted you in your career. Because I never thought I would work with this person ever again. And here I am, you know, they really changed my life with this, with this opportunity and the support and the resources and just the networks that are required to build a company. So I try to be <laughs> friends with a lot of my coworkers, which again is like not, not necessarily a sentiment everyone agrees with. There's, you know, separation of personal life and work life, but it just happens to me organically where I like to work with people that I vibe with and whoever I'm working with at the time tends to become the people I like to socialize with too. And even now, as I'm hiring for my new company, old coworkers have been applying <laughs> to the open roles, which is, which it's good and bad. It's, you know, I, I know who you are. We've worked together before. I know how we might collaborate, but then it's harder to reject somebody <laughs> we've worked with before. So you have to be pretty delicate about that too. But yeah, one of my biggest learnings period in my careers is don't burn bridges because you never know who's going to yeah. come back in your future jobs or give you an opportunity later on. Totally. Wow. Oof. And, and what is, what is, um, like reaching out, I kind of know, uh, we talked a little bit about how that kind of looks like, but what is, what is like staying in touch look like? Is that, uh, I don't know if you have like a system or, you know, tools or, or just how, how do you kind of think about that? Especially as you said, for like the people that are high impact or have really changed your life. What is that? Yeah. I appreciate that question. Um, because it's taken me some time to learn to figure out how to do that. I have previously felt pressure where if I want to stay in contact with someone, I have to have some benefit to them or, or an ask of them, like some, some purpose to connecting with them. But that is absolutely not the case. I love when I get emails or texts from people I used to work with just saying, hey, this is what I'm working on now. Just wanted to see how you're doing and see what you're up to. No request to meet up for coffee. No request whatsoever, like just an email to, to stay in touch and know what's up in each other's lives. And I've had 10 minute catch up phone calls just this past week from old coworkers who are like, I just, you know, I just want to know what you're up to. And it creates this real relationship where, you know, they're not going to reach out just to ask you for something. Um, they're not expecting anything from you. They just want to stay in touch because they like you as a human and think you're cool. And that's it. So I try to do that every so often is, you know, just send an email, say, Hey, this is what I'm up to. Hope you're well. I've also started sending emails, just thanking people from my past, like Barbara, I emailed her a couple months ago. I said, Barbara, I've been thinking about how much you impacted my life and career. Like, thank you so much. Uh, and I did that for another person who helped me get my foot in the door in the world of, of hosting too. 
And when I receive stuff like that, it just makes me so happy. And if I see an open roll down the line, I'll think of you because you're top of mind because you reached out to me. Also, it just shows that you're a thoughtful, caring, uh, personal kind of person. So that's my advice is just, you don't have to have a a reason. Just say hello. (laughs) This is what I'm up to. (laughs) Just say hello. Perfect. Um, Yeah. And and it sounds like probably like those people are getting those requests all the time. So then when you're just sharing good news or updates, it's like looking around like, wait, what's required (laughs) of me? Wait, there's nothing. Okay, great. Yeah. And And sometimes like I'll get an email and it'll say, let's meet up for coffee. I will take more time to respond to that email because I'm like, when am I going to fit it in my schedule? Or how am I going to say no? (laughs) How am I going to explain to them that I'm actually busy for a coffee? Whereas if it's an email that doesn't ask me for anything, I'll respond right away. It's like, oh my gosh, so good to hear from you. You know, looking forward to your next update or whatever. So it just takes the burden off the person you're emailing if you don't ask for a coffee. Most people don't want to go for a coffee. Let's just, uh, (laughs) let's be honest. (laughs) Well, cool. Nora, I think we talked a lot about kind of pivoting and, you know, the portfolio of Nora and, you know, business casual, a new company and some other new projects you're working on. Anything else that you think that we missed or anything else you want to share? Yeah, I'd love to talk about the course that I'm teaching, if that's okay with you, because it is very related to everything that we've talked about. And this is another thing of my past experience has led to this thing I never thought I'd be doing. I never thought I'd be teaching a course on pitching and storytelling. And when I, this is for Morning Brew. So I guess look at the, the skills courses for Morning Brew to all your listeners um, and just look for my name and you should be able to find the landing page to get on the wait list. We're teaching it in September and October. And when the Morning Brew team had first approached me to teach a course, and we had our first couple of meetings, they said, you know, do you have any experience teaching? And I said, no, except for when I was a, a teaching assistant in college for biostats. But then over time, I'm realizing I've taught a lot, just not in a classroom where it's training new employees or advising people on podcasts and mentoring people. So labels for jobs and projects and roles don't necessarily mean anything because you can almost always find skills that tie to this new thing you're trying to do if you want to do it. If if you are drawn to it, there's a reason because you have the skill set, whether you know it or not, to get you there. So I'm excited to do that. I've, I've never taught officially about pitching and storytelling before, but it is a very big part of what I do and what I have been doing. So I can't, I can't wait. We'll see how it goes. Is there one... When, when people think of pitching, is there maybe one actionable thing uh, or one little small tip on pitching or? Yeah. Easy, actionable, make it shorter than you think it needs to be. That's, that's it. I get dozens, if not hundreds of pitches every week for business casual, for me to interview people generally. And anything that's longer than one paragraph I kind of gloss over because it's, I'm getting a lot of quantity. It's hard to sort through all of that. So keep it conversational. Like you're talking to a human (laughs) and not pitching out a template, keep it shorter than you think, prove the value upfront and have a very clear ask. You'd be shocked at how many pitches I get where there isn't, there isn't a clear ask where I just get like paragraphs of information about a person 
And nowhere in the email does it say, would love to have this person on your podcast. Like it doesn't even say that. Looking around. <laughs> I'm like, where is it? Don't make the person you're pitching to look for what it is you need. In fact, put it, put it at the top. So yeah, keep it short, make the ask very clear. I love it. And uh, when people want to stay in touch and uh, you mentioned the course, uh, we talked about a business casual podcast, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, those, those are places to, All to of stay it, in yeah. touch. Twitter at Nora K. Ali, Instagram at Nora Ali. I also try to make it very easy for people to contact me. So you can either DM me or info at norahali.com. And I can't promise I reply to everything, but I do read everything. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say that, but I do pretty much read everything that comes in my inbox. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nora. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. This was fun. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.